Welcome to the future. You're listening to the Consensus Network. Consensus Network. Consensus Network. With Buck Joffrey. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey, and this is the Consensus Network. And today we are going to do part two of my interview uh, with Tika Tawari. Now, this was uh, what we called Crypto A to Z, but as you can imagine, having listened to the first part, it was more like Crypto A to M, and now we're going to go to N to Z. Uh, make sure you listen in. We're going to talk about a lot of interesting topics. Specifically, we're going to talk about things that are known as ICOs. Uh, we're going to talk about the big banks' involvement and how that's growing and how ultimately this entire cryptocurrency goes mainstream with big institutional money. So when we come back, we'll go back to the interview with Tika Tawari and address all of this. Now, there isn't much more exciting than cryptocurrency, but there are old-fashioned ways of creating wealth outside of Wall Street that have been used by the wealthiest families in the world for generations. And that's what my other podcast is all about. It's called Wealth Formula Podcast. Now, if you've made a lot of money in crypto and don't know what to do next, this show might actually answer a lot of those questions, too. Again, it's Wealth Formula Podcast with me, Buck Joffrey. One of the things um, uh, I want to talk about, uh, we, because, you know, uh, we crypto or blockchain and everything around this is... What 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 I got what I think is just amazing about this story right now is that there is so much hype and so much craziness. And one of the reasons I did this podcast is to say is to try to emphasize the reality here, which is that this is an incredible technology that if you just look at it, all the hype, then you got people saying, hey, there's you know, these are tulips and all that stuff. Um, ICOs have been mm -hmm. one of the things that I think have created a lot of that negativity um, because uh, because of what, you know, some of the fraudulent activity. Can you talk a little bit about what is an ICO in the first place and, and kind of the phenomena of that in the last year or two? Sure. An ICO is short for initial coin offering, which is a play on the old IPO, initial public offering. And it's just the way that people have, have used to raise money. So instead of issuing stock, they issue cryptographic tokens. And I've said this now for more than two years, 85% of ICOs, in my opinion, are fraudulent, mm -hmm. just absolutely fraudulent. Of the other 15%, I would say 2% of those deals are real. And then the 13% uh, that's left over, those aren't, they're not bad people, but they're bad ideas and they'll fail. So, um, which is why I've, I've, I've never recommended ICOs in any of my newsletters or services, because quite frankly, there's too much risk. Something that we've done that's been really successful, and if you're interested in ICOs, is we wait till the ICO comes out and it crashes, because it always does. And they typically crash 80 to 90%. And then we start doing a deep dive and researching the idea. And if it's a legitimate idea, and with a legitimate team, uh, you know, then we'll, we'll, we'll get involved. Um, but I'm not a fan of ICOs. About $6 billion have been raised this year. 
uh, in ICOs, which is incredible. Uh, but in my opinion, most of that money will will have disappeared in, in a year or two. One of the things, though, conceptually, if you think about this idea of the initial coin offering, that I mean, right now it's you know this is a is a tool for um, you know primarily for cryptocurrencies and new projects, et cetera. But there there is you know there's a Using this concept of of cryptocurrency and raising money and and all that is actually quite revolutionary, right? I mean, if you consider yeah, the opportunity out there, uh, you know, how was it that if you had a good idea and you have a great business, um, maybe if it's an established business, in order to go public, you've got to you know pay these banks at ton of money and you know you have uh, uh and then of course the the people or the institutions that are investing it have got these you know lockup periods of years and years without liquidity to me when i look at this concept of the ico um it it is a i think to me it looks like an existential threat to you know to investment banks and to venture capital i mean do you think so, like said, certainly to vcs yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. VCs should be scared. Um, I think the problem again in that market is that there's just so much fraud, and it, it really needs to be cleaned up. But you are right. Yes, um, uh, when it works well, when you have credible people with a credible idea, it's it's wonderful. It creates something like Ethereum. Ethereum was created without West Coast VCs, right. which is amazing. Right, a twenty thirty billion dollar project that that VCs had not absolutely nothing to do with. Right, and and to be clear, there are ways that you look at you know companies and Overstock.com did something, um, you know they they are creating um, not necessarily ICOs, but they're creating um, uh, presales and you know sale of it's what are called SAFs. And that they're SEC compliant, so you're already seeing some of this activity. This is not necessarily just out in the future. the The issue is that I think that it's going to become more and more prevalent. Is it it becomes clear that companies may be better off doing this than than going the traditional route? Maybe if the SEC doesn't make it as burdensome as doing a traditional equity offering, which you know, if it's the same cost to do a, a, a digital token offering as to doing an equity offering, people are going to do equity yeah. offerings. Yeah. I mean, the SEC is just making it so difficult, so onerous, and really just not giving very good guidance that what's happening is that a lot of, a lot of projects, a lot of good projects are just saying, you know what, to hell with the United States. We're moving everything yeah. offshore to an area that that's more conducive to doing business. Right. And and you know and that's an interesting point that you bring up because I know you've talked a little bit about this uh, to the extent that you know you've got guys like Jamie Dimon from um, you know the Chase CEO uh, calling Bitcoin a fraud. Uh, the next day that you get a bunch of the JP Morgan guys buying up cryptocurrency as it crashes. You know Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger calling it rat poison. I don't know what their idea is. They don't like gold either, by the way. Um, even the Wolf of Wall Street added his two cents recently, which I don't. Yeah, know. Let me let me just get on my soapbox about this. This guy is a convicted criminal. Right. He he stole hundreds of millions of dollars from retirees all throughout the nineties. And he's on CNBC, <laughs> and we're supposed to respect his opinion. 
He's, I just, I, I don't get it. What kind of world are we living in where Jordan <laughs> Belfort gets a platform? I know, I know. And it just cracks me up because, you know, it's just one more person who's adding, adding their, <clears throat> you know, two cents and really doesn't understand this. But I will say that I do think that the likes of Jamie Dimon and, you know, some of the other banks, they do get it. And I do think that, um, you know, there's something going on there, whether that is, and you know, whether that's uh, understanding that this is a real threat to them or trying to position themselves and knock these markets down until they can participate um, themselves. I mean, there, there's something going on there. Do you think, um, do you agree with that? I mean, what? Oh, without, without question. What's so funny is the, the biggest, you know, I travel around the world constantly talking to experts in the space. And um, what I am seeing across the board is major Wall Street players positioning themselves to get involved in crypto. So just recently, a few days ago, uh, a news announcement came out from Business Insider saying that Goldman Sachs was going to pull their plans for a crypto trading desk. Well, I have spoken to a former exec over at Goldman that has seen their cryptocurrency uh, um, uh, milestones. And he said, Tika, that, that's not just not true. And then, of course, it came out two days later that, that it wasn't true. Goldman came back and said, oh, you know, that, that's fake news. Um, we've seen JP Morgan, which, again, last year called Bitcoin a fraud. And then, of course, he walked that back. Bloomberg recently came out and said, JP Morgan's looking at providing cryptocurrency custody services right. for their clients. Uh, the uh, Chase part of JP Morgan Chase is coming out with an ETF equivalent uh, for Bitcoin for their clients. Northern Trust, which oversees $10.5 trillion, is going to be coming out with a crypto custody product. Bank of America has more uh, 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 blockchain patents than the other bank in the world. So uh, uh, the Intercontinental Exchange, which owns the New York Stock Exchange, is launching its own cryptocurrency exchange and custody platform in November. So all around the world, I am seeing major investment banks position themselves to participate in this market. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and and, and um, that it's funny you mentioned the the um, uh, the Goldman thing too, because literally that was the part that I didn't understand. Is I was I was sitting there reading, and they said they're not doing a trading desk. Okay. So, okay, that, that's news. But then in the same article, in virtually every article, they said, but they are doing, but they are planning a custodian service. Right. To me, that's like, you know, okay, so they're still obviously involved. They're still looking at this as a, you know, making a lot of money off of Bitcoin. I mean, this is... This is but the next, the next day, their yeah. head of digital products said... That 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 uh, news in Business Insider was fake news. Right, that, right. Yeah, yeah we are going to have a cryptocurrency trading desk, and we're doing custody, and we're planning on trying to trying to design derivatives. Is, right, is the other thing that he said. So, so right. what what's interesting to me is it seems to me like what the elephant in the room is, and you've discussed this, is that there is like you know it's like the infrastructure is being laid right right now. You've got. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you've got a bunch of dirt roads everywhere. And everybody understands that if we could build some highways, if we could build some infrastructure where you could put semis on there, et cetera, that, mm -hmm. that's what we're all waiting for. 
But Correct. but but then the question is like what why is it taking so long? I mean, we really first of all, let me just just two part question. Why is it taking yeah. this time? And we have some custodians now. We have a Japanese custodian. We have I think a, a, a handful of others. Um, there's a lot of money out there that is willing to get uh, interested in getting in. It would seem to me that there should be. Um, some expansion of market capitalization. As of today, it's about two hundred billion. Why are when you know what is it going to take to get to two trillion? Because that seems like a fairly realistic number in the next couple of years. It's going to take time. Remember, let me put this in perspective. So the S and P five hundred is the most well known index in the world, and yet as well known as it is. It took the SEC seven years to approve the very first ETF. Seven years, Buck. Yeah. Yeah. On the sure. goddamn S and P five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Right. This wasn't right. some esoteric <laughs> offshore index. It was right, the right. S and P five hundred. So I, in in my estimation, I I'm actually seeing these banks and government agencies move at the equivalent of lightning speed. Yeah, okay. I mean, think about it. Northern Trust is is mucking about with cryptocurrency. Yeah. Two years ago, when I first started writing about cryptocurrency, I would get hate mail saying, oh my goodness, Tika, I'm going to cancel my subscription because I can't believe you're getting involved in, in this Bitcoin, which is only used by terrorists and drug users. I'm so disappointed in you. Do you know how many emails I used to get like that? No. <laughs> right? and, and, and people were, were getting their bank accounts shut if they were opening up an account with Coinbase because, oh, my God, they're messing around with Bitcoin. So we've gone from that to Northern Trust, JPMorgan Chase, Nomura Securities, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, ICE, actively coming out publicly saying, you know what? We're going to get in and get involved in Bitcoin. Right. Oh my good lord! In two so, years, okay, two years. This is where the perspective comes in, right? I'm not a Wall Street guy. You are, so you're looking at this and saying, "Oh no, this is very, very fast," right? Um, so last time I talked to you, and this was just a few months back, um, we we're looking at all the things that are going on. We, you know, we had a bunch of ETFs that that got rejected. Of course, we had the Winklevoss ETFs rejected. We got a big one coming up, um, and by the time this plays, maybe it'll uh, that decision will already be made or punted. It's with the Chicago Board of Options Exchange. Why is that significant? And do you think, given where we are right now, do you expect this thing? Uh, maybe you could describe it and expect it. Whether you expect it to happen now or uh, in my, what I'm thinking is they punt it until February and they wait for you know, some, some more, some more of these uh, developments with, uh, you know, ice and backed and all that. So. Okay. So what makes the CBOE ETF application special is that unlike any other ETF application, it's actually being backed by an exchange. They're getting behind it. They're changing their rules in order to support it. They provided insurance for the product, which has never existed before. So if coins are lost or there's fraud or the private keys are lost, everybody gets made whole, which is absolutely huge. Um, now, does it get approved in September? What I've said is that, is that the SEC uh, 
can push this out at the latest to the end of Q1 of I next think it's year. February, right? I think it's like February 19th or 20th. January, February, March. Yeah, which is, which yeah, is, right. yeah. Uh, okay. I, the, the latest information I had was March. Okay. Was, yeah. was Q1. Um, but they can, they can punt it as late, as right. late as that. Right. So I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you if it's going to happen in September or December, February, but somewhere in that time frame, I believe that that ETF will get approved. And uh, if I'm right, it's incredibly bullish for the entire space. Why is it incredibly bullish? Right now, it's a bit of a pain in the neck to buy Bitcoin and move Bitcoin around. Um, it's just, it's not easy. Uh, there's a learning curve that you have to go through. Once we have a Bitcoin ETF, buying Bitcoin will be as easy as firing up your Fidelity trade station, logging in and hitting the buy button. So it's going to make buying Bitcoin much easier and available to hundreds of millions of people. So whenever you make something easier to buy and you open it up to a much broader audience, uh, demand automatically goes up. So the best uh, parallel I can draw to that is back in 03 with Apple Computer. They had come out with this revolutionary music player called the iPod. And the iPod was wildly successful, but it was wildly successful in a very small market because it only worked on Apple computers. And there were, you know, Apple computer market share at that time was 3%. You had 97% of the rest of the market, hundreds of millions of users that were PC users. So when Apple finally opened up their ecosystem from just Apple users to PC users, what happened? Sales exploded and the price of Apple stock exploded. So you're going to see the same thing, in my opinion, take place uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, and it's going to be a two-fold uh, increase in, um, in users. One will be driven by ETFs, and the other will be driven by institutions that will have now these highways that they can ride their semis down in order to get involved. So again, think about it just like Apple, going from a very small ecosystem to a very large ecosystem. You are naturally, just based on the law of averages, going to have an order of magnitude more users come into the space. Yeah, just, you know, for perspective, <clears throat> for people, again, who are not Wall Street people, I'm certainly not, but I've, I've tried to get myself um, to, 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 you know, to my learning of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, I'm just trying to understand where we are here. And um, in the last few weeks, we've had Apple, and uh, Amazon both become $1 trillion companies. The entire cryptocurrency market capitalization right now is about $200 billion. And so if you think about just two companies, each one of those companies is five times the market capitalization of all of cryptocurrency. How big can this get? Trillions, trillions and trillions and trillions. It is very, very early days. You know, when I talk to people about that, they look at me like I'm crazy. But think about this. You know, when, when Microsoft had a half a billion dollar market cap when it went public, and you said, oh, yeah, this thing's going to have a $750, $800 billion market cap. 
people would have looked at you like you were nuts because there was no personal computer market in the 80s. Right. It didn't exist. It barely existed. There was no need for disk operating system software. There was no need for uh, uh, these different types of programs. The demand was tiny. The installed user base was tiny. So I look at uh, this, where we are right now in crypto, as a similar type of opportunity. Um, yes, the market right now is tiny. The amount of global users in this space is tiny, but I believe we are going to experience massive, massive, massive growth. And that's why I've devoted all of my professional attention to kind of spreading the word on cryptocurrency. And let me be very clear here. Cryptocurrency is wildly volatile and um, it's incumbent upon yourself to be responsible with how much money you put into cryptocurrency. Don't put anything more into a cryptocurrency than you're willing to lose. It's critically important. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's, uh, you know, it's funny that you say that, particularly when I think of Bitcoin right now. Um, I don't see Bitcoin as as big a risk as some of the other things that you can put your money in. I mean, believe me, I mean, I'm not saying it's not volatile, of course, but if you think about in terms of over the course of the next two to three years, right now Bitcoin is trading between 6,200 and 6,400 right now. I mean, it's, it's a, in my view, a very good buy. Um, what are the chances of Bitcoin not being higher in two to three years from now? To me, just based on my what I've learned, it's it's not very high. And so I, don't put I, I always tell people like to me, it's like, OK, well, you are playing with something new. And some of the big risks here are just losing your money because it's a new digital thing. And, you you know, and, and if you're not really savvy with your wallets, et cetera, you might, right. you might end up just losing your money. But Bitcoin itself, in my view, is not going anywhere, particularly for the next, you know, few years. And, um, you know, I would say, if you're not worried, uh, if you're if you don't need that money today, it's still something that you ought to potentially look at grabbing. Um, Tika, what I mean, I you're so passionate about this, and I think it's you know, and and it's uh, very contagious. It's certainly one of the things that's really driven me uh, towards going from uh, meeting you a, a couple years ago and just you know just talking about how I was playing with this, and then. You know, now it's like something I think about and talk about all the time. For the everyday person with your Wall Street background, have you ever seen an investment opportunity like this? No. The last time that was anything even close was in the eight, late 80s and early 90s. Because the tech space was so new back then and so misunderstood because there weren't too many experts in it, incredible valuation anomalies existed. So you could buy into tech companies that had enormous promise uh, that would go on to create amazing value. So for instance, in 1991, you could buy shares of Oracle at a split adjusted cost basis of 12 and a half cents. It went to 40 by the end of the decade. Now that type of Back then, you could take a small grub stake, $1,000, $2,000, and literally become a millionaire by the end of the decade. That opportunity does not exist in the stock market anymore because companies uh, do not come to market with such low market caps anymore. When Microsoft came to market, came to market with a half a billion dollar 
market cap. If, my, if a Microsoft-esque type of company came to market today, all the value would accrue in the private market and it would come public at a 50 or $60 billion uh, market cap. So um, the ability to make enormous amounts of money in the stock market from a very small amount of money is gone. It, it just doesn't exist anymore. Um, and, and, and what I love about crypto is, is I'm seeing a lot of the same setups I saw in the late 80s and early 90s. This is new technology. Not many people understand it. Um, and, and valuations are out of whack. You know, Bitcoin is incredibly undervalued. Doesn't mean that it can't experience more volatility, but relative to its utility, if it, if it didn't do anything more than what it does right now, Bitcoin is still worth an order of magnitude more than what it is right now. But the world doesn't understand that yet. The way they didn't understand how valuable Oracle was when it was at 12 and a half cents in 1991 during that bear market, that's you dropped 85%. Okay, so the market can do crazy things. In 2008, you saw stocks like Bank of America go to two and a half bucks. You saw American Express go to $10. You saw Harley Davidson go to eight bucks. In a bear market, crazy things happen. Uh, Bitcoin at six grand is one of those crazy things. Ethereum sub $200 is one of those crazy yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's below, that's below a year ago. I mean, I think I almost, it. almost. Yeah. yeah. A year ago in July, it was like a buck 70, buck 50, buck 60. Yeah. It's yeah. Ethereum has been really beat up. And, and just to comment on that really quickly, a lot of that has to do with EOS, has yep. been EOS is another project that raised an enormous amount of money in Ethereum, and they've just been hammering the bid on Ethereum, selling yeah. a ton of Ethereum and moving into other cryptocurrency. Right, right. Well, um, Tika, I know you're a busy guy, and I want to. I could talk to you for hours, but I know you're. Uh, I know you probably have a few other things you need to do today. <laughs> so I appreciate what you do, uh, and um, you know I don't know anyone who works harder than you. Uh, at getting it right. So I do appreciate uh, you coming on. Um, Tika Tawari, everyone. Uh, he is the editor of Palm Beach Confidential. Check it out. Uh, Tika, thanks again for being on. Thanks so much, Buck. Appreciate it. I'll be right back. Want to buy Bitcoin with your IRA? Don't waste your time on expensive IRA custodians. A strategy called a QRP is as easy as writing a check. Find out how. Text 44222 and type QRP book. That's one word. And get a free book that explains everything. Again, that's 44222 QRP book. One word. It's the easiest way to make Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies part of your retirement. Welcome back, everybody. So we already did the Q&A section in the uh, first uh, first week show here in the first episode. We don't normally cut these shows in half, but this was such a long show that we did that for your listening pleasure, trying to time it with all your commutes, etc. But I do want to remind you that I want to hear from you. I want to get a bunch of questions from you because we're all trying to learn together here, and the best way to do it is to ask, uh, ask questions. And so make sure to go ahead and go to consensusnetwork.io and preferably use the voicemail function. And the voicemail function will basically allow you to ask questions. We'll play it on the show. I will answer it in real time. 
uh, using that methodology. Or if you're shy, you can also just, you know, you can basically write a question, uh, submit it via the website against so consensusnetwork.io, or you can just email at um, the in, uh, email me at info at consensusnetwork.io, and uh, we will get your questions answered. Again, that's a huge part of this show, right, is getting everybody involved, uh, getting this whole thing together, um, um, and, and trying to learn together because I'm not an expert. A lot of my guests are not experts. We're just trying to create this knowledge base for all of us together. And uh, with that, I will leave you. This is Buck Joffrey for Consensus Network signing off. 